Welcome to the Bad Podcast. The podcast about three Asian dudes from the Bay. Who only want one thing. Real, Real talk. talk. Hi, welcome back to the Bad Podcast. Today is episode three, and we're going to be talking about traveling from and to the Bay. It's something that we loved doing before the pandemic, obviously, and we wanted to talk about it today because we sorely miss it. So in the spirit of that, I'd like to kick today off with the question of the day. What are your top three items you have to bring on a flight and why? Does my iPhone count? No, your iPhone doesn't count. <laughs> I'm talking about like travel things. Does my self count? Oh, good Lord. <laughs> okay, I'll go first. I'll go first. Three things that I cannot travel without. First one is my Nintendo Switch. Shout out good one. all my Pokemon trainers who know that egg hatching can keep you entertained for several hours on end. Number two, I got to go with my trusty notebook and pencil. I'm not going to hide the fact that uh, I have a keen interest in Dungeons and Dragons. So taking hours and hours on a flight to write out a storyline or some like new game mechanics um, that have been like in my head for a little while can can really go a long way on a flight. And number three is uh, for me personally, is going to be a heavy sweater because I always get cold on flights, even when I'm not hungover. So that thing comes in handy. No. I'll tell you. Do you feel like, okay, do you feel like some airlines run hot and some airlines run cold? Like I feel Absolutely like- not. They all get their air straight from the Alpine. <laughs> what? The peak of the Alpine mountain where it's the coldest. Because I, I feel like every time I travel on, on, on American flights, it's always cold. Like United, Southwest, whatever. Every time I fly it on like Korean uh, or like when I'm flying to Korea, it's, it's so hot. Like I'm sweating. I've never had that problem. See, uh, actually, I did have that problem. Do you remember when we... It was, I think it was like Tiger Air. Was, is that a flight we took? Yeah, we did take a, a trip. On yeah, the that I, I might have been like hungover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, th- that plane was like super hot. Also, can we talk about how flying hungover is like the worst feeling in the world? 1000%. <laughs> Daniel would know. Daniel would know. <laughs> Multiple experiences. What about you, Doug? I guess my noise canceling headphones. Does that finally count? Yes, that counts. I guess, I guess that I feel like. I just try to sleep or I watch whatever movie. I always bring a book, but I never read it. I would say a pillow, but I could just fall asleep. Yeah, I mean, blanket. you're blessed. <laughs> I would say a blanket, but usually I just like. <laughs> Dang, dude. All right. I will say you're blessed because I'm the exact opposite of you. And it's funny that I'm going after you is because I don't know what it is. I'm just like very particular. I think I need certain things to be able to feel comfortable. And I've tra- I travel a lot for work. So I'd say the top three things for me also is noise canceling headphones for sure. <clears throat> Preferably in-ear. I know that sounds, again, very particular, but reason being bulky ones interfere with my neck pillow. Second thing, neck pillow. <laughs> I, just, I, I can't sleep on like with my head to the side because I feel like I just do that like that car thing where you just like, you jerk constantly. Not off. "Ah, ah, ah." Um, So definitely need that. And then number three is a, is a face mask. So it's funny. I used to wear a face mask all the time for work flights before the pandemic. And everyone thought I was like, not crazy, but they were just like, why do you do this? And I had read somewhere um, that wearing a mask on a plane does two things. One, it helps protect you from germs, go figure. And it, it helps you from getting dehydrated. So it helps you to uh, sleep better when you're on planes. And so just combination of the two, uh, really helps it. So like literally everything is like neck up. So it's like neck pillow, headphones. Mask. So <laughs> gotta protect the noggin. You gotta protect. Have you ever yeah, like fell in, fallen asleep on someone? Have you ever fallen asleep on someone? Yes, but it was my family, so oh. <laughs> not anyone awkward. And that actually kind of leads us perfectly into the next question, which is you know we're not traveling right now just with the pandemic and everything else going on. Once things do go back to normal, though, where do you want to travel to and why? For me, I really want to go 
on my honeymoon. <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it. Or was the honeymoon supposed yeah. to be at? Great question. The ideal, uh, the honeymoon was supposed to be through Southeast Asia. So specifically Singapore and then Thailand. And then we want to end in, in Taiwan, which I know is not Southeast Asia, but uh, another Asian country. And the reason we wanted to do that is that we want to see a little bit of like, like do a little beach resort, do a little bit of city life. Like, and I felt like Asia is just great for that. Most likely once things are actually open up and, and being able to travel to, probably the first place I end up is Disneyland. <laughs> Can we come? Absolutely. Let's make it a trip. Right. Bad podcast trip. We'll, we'll, we'll podcast from the Disneyland hotel. For me, at least, I want to probably go back to Thailand to visit family and Hong Kong to also visit family uh, and right. also renew my Hong Kong ID. But I'm pretty oh. sure that's like expired. What, what happens when it's expired? Yeah. Do you have to... Uh, I think I have to go do you, through. Do you get some privileges revoked or something? Are you not a, you're not allowed back in? <laughs> <laughs> no, so like it's like a starred system. So I have, you like, have no stars. Yeah, well, yeah, te- I think technically I don't have any more stars, but it, it just allows me to stay over the whatever the allotted days is. It was like 90 days or three months or something like that. I could stay over that. I see. But I get a way to go through TS- their version of like customs and TSA with just my fingerprint. Uh, okay yeah that's nice to have but mostly go back visit family yeah my trip my not exactly dream trip but like the the trip that i have in my head um for when covid19 is over has honestly been south korea with you guys or like bust (laughs) at this point for me because just because you know i thought about it a lot after we talked about it a while back and i feel like a group trip there would be it would just be wild you know like we've been cooped up for so long and like the culture, like the culture for like young adults like us is really good in South Korea. And I feel right. like we would just have a really good time there. Are we going to take I, the train to Busan? Yeah, hopefully sans zombies though. What, what's one of the draws of you going to South Korea, Daniel? I think just the, the culture for young adults is really good in Korea. Like That's a good word for it. He wants to get lit. You can, uh, yeah, exactly. See, this is why we're, we're friends. You guys hear, the, hear what I'm <laughs> saying Pick, in between the lines. You know? I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, you know. he just wants to get trashed. Yeah. It is true. Yeah, it is fun for sure. Actually, you know what's really funny? And I want to, I would absolutely love to join you on that trip because very soon I'll be aged out and not be able to be able to go to clubs in Korea. That's okay. Um, Do they like gotta, physically ban you? They like look at your ID and they just like, yeah, no. they check your ID. If you're born after a certain date, you're not allowed in. You got to get a fake ID. Yeah. Yeah. The only <laughs> time I'll get a fake ID for being younger. <laughs> really? Oh yeah, dead serious. Yeah, there are certain areas where in clubs where it's like the youth areas, and if you're over a certain age, they will not let you in. <laughs> I believe the cutoff is like 35. Yeah, I got a couple 31. of good years left, so this pandemic needs to hurry up and be over <laughs> so I can get there. And so that actually brings me to a really good segue, Doug. You actually mentioned it already. Both you mentioned that the two places you want to go are to see family, right? Both in, in Thailand and in Hong Kong. And so I'm curious to hear from both you guys. Like, when's the last time you? flew home to, I guess, like the motherland, right? Depending on how you want to call it or where your family is uh, from. And how do you feel when you're there? I, I actually don't remember last time. It was probably whatever the last trip we went to Asia. But in terms of like how I feel, it's a little different. I mean, I, I love both countries, but when I'm in Thailand, I'm kind of with just family. So mm-hmm. I kind of just feel like I'm there for the ride. Right. But but when I'm in Hong Kong, um, it's a little bit more loose because it's 
just easier because I, I I can recognize things because it's a smaller city. Right. So it's a little bit easier to not get lost. If that makes sense. Yeah. But in Thailand, like you can get lost pretty easily. Have, I've never gone back to China. Been to Hong Kong once. I think that was in 2017. Uh, but I know it's not the same. Definitely interested in going back to China. In fact, before COVID-19 hit, plans were in the works to visit either Shanghai or Beijing. Obviously, those fell through, but I was really looking forward to it. But, you know, one thing I would say, specifically, if I did go back to China, is that I probably would not be going back to see any family. Mm. I don't have any family that I know in the motherland. Maybe I do, but I I don't know them. My parents don't know them. I don't think my grandparents would know them either. Which kind of speaks volumes, right, to, you know, the fact that, like I just said, my, my parents were born here. Um, both pairs of grandparents were also here in the Bay Area uh, while I grew up. So I, do, I don't have a lot of passion to go, like, meet other Yims. Um, <laughs> you know, the Yim village. The Yim yeah, clan. exactly. I would not. I, I, I'd literally just be going to do touristy stuff. You know? Gotcha. If you knew, like, the area that, like, let's say it was, like, a very rural part of China. Yeah. Would you have any interest in just seeing it yeah yeah 100 percent. growing up my grandparents and like um my auntie my dad's sister would kind of like tell me stories about like where yeah where the yins lived like where their parents 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 lived i guess wow yeah um in guangzhou and you know they kind of like had pictures of the house and stuff like that and it was like really big and so i was like oh yeah like i'd really like to go and see that kind of stuff but Who could I really trust to be like, I'm your great, 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 blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you are? Like, I wouldn't know. <laughs> you know? It's like, yeah. you got money? <laughs> you got Benjamin? <laughs> it's it's definitely interesting because I think, especially with family like that, that's so removed, it's, it's hard to connect. So, I mean, even for yeah. me, my family moved back to Korea when I was in, in middle school. And I lived there for a couple of years. Um, and at that time, it was probably the closest I've gotten to being close with my extended family. Um, like a couple aunts, uncles, cousins and stuff like that, that I met. And, you know, some of them I actually even to this day are, are like Facebook and Instagram friends with and stuff like that. But every time I go back to Korea, even now, I just, I feel like an outsider, right? I mean, I just like, I'm not, I'm not Korean. I'm Korean American, but I'm not Korean. And so every time I go, it's, it's a weird combination of feelings. Like it's super interesting to me. I love, like I've said in the previous episode, you know, drink the drinking culture, just like the, the eating culture, like going out things like that. I also think that it has, has an amazing rich history that I'm also like very much connect with um, and things like that. And I think it's beautiful, but like, I know nothing really about like the culture, the modern day culture and like what it's like there, you know, the slang or the mannerisms or anything. And even in our previous episode where we talked about language, like, you know, I don't fully speak it either. Like I, I do, I speak enough conversationally, but like I can't get through like a really, really tough conversation uh, or even just like outside of like, where can I find food or the bathroom or water or whatever. So anyway, this is kind of like getting a long winded, but what I'm trying to say is that like, I, I flew to Korea actually at the end of 2019, I brought my then fiance now wife there to like meet my family and other folks, but I feel just as much of a tourist as any, as anyone else, just cause like, I know some of the major sites and places, but like, I don't, I can't recommend restaurants. I can't uh, recommend necessarily things to do per se. I think there's a couple big things that most tourists know, but that's probably about it. What about you- like in the years that you were growing up there? Did you, did you have like a favorite ice cream shop or something that your parents always took you to that was in that neighborhood that you could remember and like go back and, and see and call out and be like, I went here kind of thing. It's like, it's like Baskin Robbins. Or does it yeah. feel completely like hundred thousand percent? You know, what's actually really funny, Daniel. I, I really appreciate that you asked me that question because for me, 
I was just thinking about the country as a whole. There is, so my, when I lived there, I didn't live in like the main like area of like Seoul where you would normally oh. like go and hang out, right? I was right. a little bit on the outskirts of the city in an area called Pundang. And there was a there was a mall there. Like I think it was called, called the Samsung Mall. And uh, it was also like a major like subway station. So I would take that to like either go into Seoul or, or you know, whatever. But it's funny that you say that because that's probably the closest I'd get to being like, oh yeah, this, I have good memories here. There was like an arcade there that I used to go to all the time hmm. and like play like metal, metal slug. Uh, Metal slug. metal slug yeah. yeah metal slug i used to play uh metal slug all the time with like with you know court well, the korean version of quarters which is like 10 cents and yeah i would, I would just have a blast man uh and mm-hmm. there was like a couple cool shops in there that are probably all like sw- swapped out by now but sure, sure. yeah definitely that's like the closest i'd say to like feeling like home the the reason i wanted to ask that question is that for us as, as asian americans being born here i feel like every asian american person i've talked to always has that sort of like i wouldn't say struggle but like curiosity right like wanting to know where you're from wanting to know like your heritage and your culture but also understanding or realizing that we're not like them right and they're not like us like whenever i go to korea like i they know i'm american even though i'm like i'm fully korean blood but like the way that i walk the way that i dress that like even the size that i am it's just very yeah. different than the people there yeah i mean I get, I get that because like for both Hong Kong and Thailand, you know, I'm pretty big. So I kind of get that. But, you know, it is funny that you kind of touched on like trying to understand your, your your culture basically a little bit more. Right. And then do you even know why Lycee is a thing or the red envelopes? <laughs> right. You guys? No, I don't. Yeah. So I looked it up because I was kind of curious, but it's basically because at the end of the year, you're, you're supposed to clear off all your debts. Oh, the, hmm. the original was like the debt collectors coming to start. Yeah, and it was wow. Like, I was like, yeah. And I, originally, I was just like, oh, you know, it has to do with something with like good luck set, and... setting your yeah, good luck and setting up your child up or something. Yeah. You know, sure. but it has nothing to do with that. Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah, it's interesting because you start to pick that stuff apart as you get older, right? Like when you're younger, like there are certain traditions you just do because you're just you just do them. Like when you're a yeah. kid, you're just told what to do. So you just do them. And it's, you just always recognize it. But it's funny that I feel like as you get older and you talk to other people who maybe don't have the same background, they ask you like, well, why do you guys do that? Or what's the importance behind it? What's the significance behind it? And I, I can't always answer. I'm just like, I, I don't know. We just always did it this way. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think it's interesting too, a combination of looking into like what the traditions are, but also the meaning behind them and how they even started. I think it's, it's just super interesting as a journey do you i mean it sounds like at least for you doug you do have a desire to, to go back and see family and do those things in fact it's one of the places that you'd want to travel to first um but daniel i think for someone who has a desire to go but hasn't necessarily been before i mean what what is the draw for you is it just because you're interested in china as a whole and, and like those cities or is it because it's actually like a, a part of you because I mean, like you said like earlier like you said your family's from guangzhou which is like a, a different part of China than, than Beijing or Shanghai, the two cities you named. So I'm curious as to what's the motivation behind going? Yeah. Yeah. I think frankly, my big motivation for wanting to see China and, but frankly, anywhere is just culture shock. Mm. You know, I, I kind of want to build bridges of understanding with people from all walks of life. You know right. what I mean? Like, like one example, right. Is when I kind of put together the differences between somewhere like Italy, where we visited way back when I right. can't remember 2015, maybe 16. And then when we went to New York, right? And so in, in Italy, when you go, it's so hard just to find like takeaway, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was takeaway, like takeout food, right? I mean, they would, they would actually probably call it takeaway. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's why I called it <laughs> yeah, takeaway because exactly. they understood that. Everyone all like, calls it takeout. takeaway. Yeah, everywhere, yeah. And so we, we would try our very best because you want, you know, you want to find something quick, get out and go see the sites. But everywhere, all the restaurants we went to were all like, oh, you know, you know, like, take your time, sit down, have a glass of wine, have an appetizer, have your meal, have a little bit of dessert, you know? And then 
on the other side of the coin, right, is when we went to go visit New York. I can't remember which year that was. But when we went to New York Chinatown to have dumplings, they literally will seat you at a table full of strangers just to pump more people through, <laughs> get you on your way. Because yes. everyone in New York has business, you know what I mean? And I right. feel like that kind of, like, I you, you can get, I guess, both of those things in the Bay Area, but not as, like, forced as it was there. Right. And so I kind of want to see, like, oh, you know, like, what's the Chinese culture like kind of thing? And, and, and like, what, what learnings can I draw from that? That totally makes sense. Thanks for saying that, dude. With that, let's take a bad break. Today, I want to talk about the San Francisco International Airport, the airport we know and love and typically fly out of. Um, do you know that it was actually initially a temporary experiment? They initially called it the Mills Field Municipal Airport of San Francisco, which is way too long and opened, quote unquote, in May of 1927 on 150-acre cow pasture. It wasn't until 1931, a year after the city of San Francisco actually purchased the land from the Mills estate, that the name was actually changed to San Francisco Airport. It wasn't until after World War II that the name added international due to the increase in overseas service. How stinky do you think that airport was? Oh, it was probably terrible, right? I mean, like, you're talking flying- I, mean, uh, I don't know it? how big, I don't know how big 150 acres is. It's but big. that just sounds like a lot. But you know what it is too, though. It's like you know, you know like when you drive down uh, Kowalinga. When you drive down five, yeah, and you, and you drive and you <laughs> like you pass Kowalinga. Kowalinga, yo, it smells terrible. Yeah. But but I will say this though, I think that it's interesting because you know back then they may not have like herded as many cows like in a smaller in that small of a space. Oh yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So uh, who knows? It was in a, a slaughterhouse. Back exactly. Then. Fun fact: when uh, we would drive to LA. My cousin, right when we get there, would roll down the windows. On purpose. <laughs> what a troll. <laughs> and then turn up the heat. That sounds like something you would do, Doug. Make sure I never travel with cousin. I thought it was hella funny. <laughs> I see I see where Doug gets it from now. See? It was it's it's memorable. <laughs> uh, welcome back from the bad break. We're gonna hop into the second half of this episode and let's let's switch gears a little bit and talk about traveling to the Bay Area. We talked a lot in our last episode about supporting the Asian community here in the Bay with our dollars. So for our listeners who are planning to visit the Bay, if you had to recommend places to go get good Asian food while also supporting the Asian community, where would you recommend? And by the way, it doesn't necessarily have to be an exact restaurant. Maybe it's a, a city. And I mean, I'm talking the whole Bay Area. So what do you guys think? One of the places that I, actually, I, I like is, is Backloo. I think mm -hmm. I actually do actually really like Backloo. What is that? It's a VIT restaurant in the Mission. Um, like their beef stew is pretty good mm -hmm. and they opened up recently, but other than that, the only other place, cause I kind of hesitated cause like it would be easy for me to say like, Oh, go to San Tung or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Like they get a lot of business regardless. Right. That's for but, sure you know, true. But capitals is actually one of the, my favorite places in Chinatown, uh, for chicken. Fried oh, nice. chicken. Never heard um, of that actually. Yeah. So, and I don't know if they're super busy because i don't live out there but yeah those are two places backloo and capitals chicken i actually i feel like there's a there's a lot of quote-unquote like famous pho places in in the bay area i think you know turtle tower is one that's probably the most unique to me in the sense of like it's is that northern pho is that right yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't it's it's either northern or southern northern and southern i can't remember which one but like it's like slightly different from the one that like you typically know which i think is interesting but i definitely agree that backloo is like one of the one places that like I go for uh, like 
kind of not wouldn't say typical because it's obviously not typical it's really good but uh it's like that sort of like when you think for like that's like the, what you want kind of thing sorry this is slightly off topic but during coronavirus i started venturing out and cooking more yeah i mean i guess it's obvious in hindsight but there's a lot of vip food that isn't just pho yes and like the t- and the typical things that you get at restaurants they don't serve a lot of the things that's actually that they're known and really known for in general i feel like those are the things that have been to some degree presented forward for like the american palate right mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily what they like eat on a daily or eat normally i think like i remember the first time i had to talk to, to one guy who was like, oh dude i love korean barbecue i can't believe you guys eat meat all the time i was like we never <laughs> eat green barbecue it's not that we never it's like it's only on special occasions or like very rarely did we ever do that at home it wasn't something that we just that's not like the only food we have you know what i mean and so i find that like a lot of asian restaurants will typically serve what is like what americans like or not i think we're starting to see a renaissance of that now we're starting to see more people be more authentic about the food they're serving but i would say in general uh restaurants will go with what's i mean because they're they're a business right they want to make what they need to make money so they want to go with what's safe what's going to sell yeah, I've definitely had an experience like that where like um, my previous girlfriend, we went out for Chinese food and she's like very, very Chinese, right? Like from China and sat down, got the menus. And I, I didn't even look at the menu. I kind of like already know what I want slash I don't even know if it's on the menu, but like I find like at Chinese owned restaurants in the Bay Area, if you just talk to them, they can like figure out what you need without like having to look, right? And so I looked at the waitress and I was like, oh, can I get an order of Yifu wonton, which is like fried wonton. Oh, in like really thick soup, uh-huh. and um, my 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 girlfriend who's from China was like, "The hell did you just order? Like, what the hell is that? Like I've never heard of that." And then she asked the waitress like, "What what, what it was?" And then when it came, she's like, "Oh, this is great!" And so it's it was kind of like one of those things that Han was describing. It's, it's was she really like, Chinese yeah. then? She she was she was very Chinese, um, like literally from China. Right. And um, yeah, it's just one of those experiences where like Han just described where it's restaurants cater to the audience right? right and they 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 kind of put a spin on things for popular for sure for sure so that then, is that is actually hella true because like i know if you go to like i don't know non-asian area marin marin county marin, literally yeah if you go to <laughs> area yeah okay i don't know about that but like if you go to i miss i don't know about marin specifically but i know that i've gone to like other asian restaurants and asked something that was like not on the menu but they do know how to make it and yeah you know you know, they'll be happy to just yeah. make it for you. For sure. So then what about you, Daniel? Where would you recommend uh, for people to go? Okay. So I'm going to answer the question that I wish you asked me. Okay. All right. <laughs> what, what, what did you wish Here's I Here's what you? I want to see happen. Here's what I want to see happen. Tell me. I want more business to flow into Asian-based dessert and small snack establishments. Oh. So that we see an increase in the popularity of quote unquote street food, of, of that street food scene in the Bay Area. So I'm talking about places like My Favorite my Cafe. Favorite ca- yeah. <laughs> in the Richmond <laughs> District, or uh, Sweet Mango Dessert Cafe, RIP Creations. Golden Island in the Sunset District, 100% Sweet Cafe. Well, RIP that too, that's not there anymore. But, <laughs> you know, I think one of the best things that we talked about Uh, earlier in this episode was that when you travel to Asian countries, or I mean, even like LA at this point, if you're going to that 565 or 265, whatever market. 626. Yeah. Man, Um, you're so raw. 
I know from the south. But is the street food right when you go to Japan, when you go to Thailand, right. when you go to you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera? Like the street food is bomb, and the Bay has nothing like that, nothing yeah. even close to that. Yeah. And so I would really want to see a boom in the small small dessert industry in the Bay Area. I mean, like, how sick would it be if there was just a street that stayed open till four in the morning that was right. all like Asian street food for or, sure? Like, desserts, you know, that'd be sick. That would be really dope. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you because, like, SF is definitely not known for late night food. Yeah. You know, late, what I night, mean? late night anything. Late night anything. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, like, like, they even take street food out of it. Like, even just like restaurants aren't open past like 10 o'clock. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's definitely not fun in, in that sense, right? Mm-hmm. Where like, just so much stuff is closed super early. Um, so I, I love that answer. I think actually, you know, it's funny. So the reason, the answer I was going to give almost gets to where you want to, what you're talking about, but I feel like the food truck scene and SF has gotten really good. Yeah. It's yeah. not like, I think L- LA is still reign supreme. Like, you know, sure. things like the, the Kogi truck and stuff like that, like yeah. with, with Roy Choi and like amazing things like that for sure. You know, I think we've had interesting creations come out of the Bay area as well. I have to shout out to my, my friends, the Syrup shop. So they do Filipino food, but they do an incredible twist on it. And then Ox and Tiger, which is like a Filipino Japanese like fusion pop-up and they're in downtown SF also. But like you're starting to see this kind of like come up of like really creative ideas uh, come out of food trucks. And I think there's a couple of good scenes in the Bay Area for that, especially in San Francisco. It's like Soma Street Food Park. You have Spark Social now down by uh, Mission Bay. You got Off the Grid who's been around for a long time. And then you got, you know, all these guys popping up like Senior Seasick and stuff like that. Again, amazing Filipino burritos. We're starting to see better, I'd say, quote unquote, street food. It's really coming out of food trucks. Uh, and I'd love to promote those guys because I think they do really creative, great food in the bay and again there are most of them happen to be asian just because trying to afford a brick and mortar spot in the city is so expensive that yeah. like a lot of these guys operate out of these trucks first so yeah go and support your food trucks you know what's gonna happen if asian desserts kind of catch on it's just gonna get super expensive yeah i know because <laughs> <laughs> right now because right now it's gonna be like boba because right now you can go get like a mango sago for like four bucks, right? Yeah. Like, yeah right. True. Like if it if it if it gets picked up and becomes Instagram worthy, it's gonna be like ten dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how I, that's exactly how I feel about boba. I'm just like Yeah. You know, although okay, so so I'm calling back on a memory. Like, I don't know if you guys know Genki's crepes in the Richmond district. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I went back there for the first time a couple weeks ago, and I probably haven't been there since high school, two thousand eight, right? right? right. To my surprise, their prices have not changed. Like the, oh. the menu on the wall is, I'm pretty sure, the same menu that I was looking at in <laughs> in high school. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh my God, like I'll have two. Yeah. And, and I think that's actually a perfect segue uh, into the last question I wanted to ask you guys, which is SF and the Bay is not what it used to be. I did want to take some time here at the end of the episode to talk about how the city has changed from the homelessness to the dirty streets to even some of the violence that's been happening in it. So I wanted to talk about the city, how it's changed, and also any tips we would share to visitors to prepare them coming to the Bay. I know that's not a great setup because it now sounds like the Bay is like a terrible place to come, but I think it's 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 worth mentioning and talking about because I think some people are caught off guard. Yeah. I mean, I'll go first. Real simple one. Real, real simple one. Don't leave valuables in your car. 100%. 100%. Hide everything. Hide the wires. Hide your fast track. Um, hide your kids. Hide your wife. It's, it's weird because smash and grabs, have been on the rise in the last few years. Like I certainly don't remember it being a huge problem when I was a kid, but now it's like a a really big problem. But what's weirder, I think, is that the Bay Area does has zero, no, absolutely no problems with perhaps, well, maybe I wouldn't say zero, but like it's not as prevalent. 
on yeah. on any public transportation or in any busy busy uh kind of business area or, or crowded area i've never had to worry about like watching my wallet kind of thing as much as i have in europe but yeah it's, it's just it's just really weird that you know pickpockets is not a big problem but smash and grabs are yeah i mean tell the few you on that i i've heard horror stories of people in new york passing out on the subway and then getting their pockets slashed hmm. and then it's right. like I can't imagine that happening in SF. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like tips, you can take this like to any city because I think right. every major city has like their own issues. I grew up a lot with this mindset, like don't give people a reason, right? right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's a great. You know, for example, for, for Yims, it's like leaving your backpack in your car. That's a reason for someone to want right. to break in there, you know, wearing your Gucci belt with your iPhone 12 and your like Supreme hoodie, you know, that. That's a big reason, right? I'm not saying like, don't dress up, but I do have a question for you guys, actually. Yeah, hit me. Where do you think SF ranks in homeless per 100,000 residents, like Ooh. of major cities? Do you do you have the stat up? Yeah, I good? actually did it right before this episode. Oh, nice. In a yeah. ranking. Yeah, where do you think it, it ranks for number of homeless per, per 100,000? You're talking 100, about cities in United States? United States. Ooh. Uh, I would guess like six or no maybe like seven or eight oh uh, yeah i'm also guessing top 10 i'm i'm I'll, I'll go higher than that i'd say five it's such a dense city how many california cities do you think are in the top 10 oh oh la is definitely up there for sure like they yeah. have, like you got like skid row and yeah all that it's bad or two bad bad so there i would i would figure they're like top five what i'd probably guess there? three i'd probably guess like yeah three, maybe three like or three, four. three cities in the top 10 all right so san francisco is uh-huh. is eight Number eight. Daniel, you Number got eight. it. Yeah, had it. Dang. All right, I, I, I thought it was higher too. Yeah. Hmm. And as for of the top 10, yeah, how many are in? It's it's four. Wow. When I was actually like researching this, I was actually pretty surprised because originally I thought that homelessness, its prevalence was a byproduct of how small the city is, right? But I don't know. I think the system itself... Yeah, because if if you're comparing per hundred thousand residents, it creates like a like an, an even playing field, right? In terms of like yeah. it normalizes like total, it, yeah, or like yeah. it makes it easier to measure. Mm-hmm. Dang, we're we're it's number eight. Yeah, but wow. I think what was surprising, yeah, was Napa's on the list. What really? Of like top twenty, which is crazy, right? I would not have guessed that. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. For those who aren't who aren't familiar, uh, Napa and Sonoma is like where California is really famous for their wine country. So again, most mostly like vineyards and and wineries and things like that. I would not have guessed that. That's crazy. Yeah, and that's I top. Mean, in, and you're talking you're talking you're talking top in the United States. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's weird. As I kind of dug through the data, right. I I started having way more questions, and I was like, oh, I don't have enough time to actually normalize the data. Yeah. Um, you know, because obviously California is is huge. Yeah. Right. So then the more major cities we have, you know, but it did kind of get me thinking. A little bit more about like the entire situation mm-hmm. no it's a really good point and you know i, I do want to touch on the homelessness as well i think it's important for for our listeners or visitors to the bay area to really do your research um in terms of if you don't know someone in the city just at least try and do as much research as you can online but i would also ask you know someone who's who's maybe from san francisco or who knows the area really well to give you a really good example of like the westin uh which is like right downtown in union in uh, union square it's like right on the edge of that and like the tenderloin uh, and the tenderloin is is famously known for not being a great area 
And so I think that that's something that's uh, important to know. So just do your research when you're coming to SF and the Bay Area, just like where you're staying in the different neighborhoods, because they'll vary widely. And there are definitely pockets of areas you want to avoid, especially at, at nighttime. So that's definitely one thing that I wanted to mention. Number two, I would also say is to end on a more lighter note, bring a jacket. <laughs> it's, it's California. Yes. And people, I think like who aren't from California just assume that all of California is what LA is sunny. like, where it's yeah. like the beach, it's sunny. Like, you know, it's always like 70 degrees with convertibles. Nah, San Francisco is very different. Microclimates. Uh, microclimates are very much a real thing, especially in San Francisco. Bring a jacket, <laughs> but, but whether it's like a light sweater, uh, a jacket, layers. Layers is probably, if I yeah, had to really define, definitely. yeah, if I had to define uh, San Francisco fashion in a nutshell, it's layers. It's, it's Patagonia. Yeah. Patagucci. <laughs> exactly. Patagucci. If you don't bring your layers, you're going to find yourself with a brand new North Face jacket <laughs> real soon after the probably the first night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anything, any other tips? Maybe it's more on the lighthearted side that you want to share with our listeners before, before we go. Okay. So I have one, uh, one more on the lighter side, which would be to bring cash or have a way to, to obtain cash because there are some good restaurants out there that take cash only. Mm. <laughs> Let me just be upfront about that. And they're probably like Asian that. restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> Sorry, Doug, I mean, didn't like, mean to steal your thunder. No, no, it's all good. Cause I was like, I'm pretty sure those are just the, the Asian restaurants you're trying to go to. <laughs> Man, tips. And then just take it in. It is a cool city. I like it. And you kind of just have to just take it in for what it is, you know, the cool and the weird. Definitely. I, I think where it has like this, in my opinion, San Francisco has like this weird battle like internal battle, these like dualities of what is trying to be, what is trying to evolve into, you know, whether it's like the tech center of the world or the, what it was back in the day where it was like based off hippie culture and right. seeing it collide is kind of cool it's a really for better and, and worse. Yeah. And so, you know, I think just take it in for everything it is. Uh, that's a preview for an upcoming episode. So stay tuned of how the city's changed. Yeah. The last tip I'll leave on is download Uber and Lyft. Oh yeah. That's a helpful one. <laughs> yeah. Public oh, transportation man. does not work great in the city there's a i mean there's a couple lines you can take but if you're unfamiliar it can get a little confusing and, and ubers and lifts are, are everywhere in the city so mm-hmm. definitely recommend it especially if you're trying to find like going to different neighborhoods and things like that just because not all the trains are just like linear right so i'd say oh, yeah. um right because if you're trying to go from like the marina to the mission to like hayes to you know union square like it's there's no like easy easy way to, to take public transportation i think the fastest are probably going to be an uber or lift so that's the one i'll leave you on or take the bikes or the scooters. Yeah, that's true. Scooters are fun. Well, thank you guys again for sharing uh, your thoughts and, and opinions on, on traveling and where we've been as well as traveling to the Bay. I want to finish off our episode with our rapid fire questions. So I'll, I'll try and make this more rapid than the last one. So you don't have to explain why. Just, just say your answers, okay? Right. First, first questions will be about travel. So seat, window seat or aisle seat? Aisle seat, got to use the bathroom. Window. Gotta go, gotta go. I gotta take a piss all the time. Uh, <laughs> party destination within one hour, Los Angeles or Las Vegas? Vegas. I'm gonna go Vegas too. Triple crown, uh, Vegas it is. Triple crown. <laughs> 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 Overseas, uh, flying to Asia or flying to Europe? Uh, I gotta go Europe. Asia. Asia, Asia for me. Uh, vacation type, are you looking for, when you vacation, are you looking for relaxing or adventurous? Adventure. 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 <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Adventure time. I feel like I'm leaning towards relaxing as I get older because I'm old now. So <laughs> Okay, boomer. Yeah. No, hey, all right, relax. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, vehicle, road trip or flying with your friends? Flying. Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, oh, mm, I guess flying. 
I'm kind of torn. I really like road trips. I'm I'm gonna say flying just so you can have get more destinations. But road trip is a very yeah. very close second. It's yeah. super fun. Yeah. All right. So I, I'm gonna leave on, on the couple last rapid fire questions. Which are SF tourist destinations? All right. I only got two for you. Uh, one's a building, and the other one's a location. So Fisherman's Wharf or Alcatraz? I gotta go Fisherman's Wharf because I've never been to Alcatraz. I guess Fisherman's Wharf. I mean Alcatraz is is I. You mean Rebirth <laughs> Island? <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I say Alcatraz because of the history. You got to do the audio tour for sure. Oh, uh, and the I last did that one. Too. Was I, I, I thought <laughs> I it was did cool. that too. Learn your history, man. Uh, and then last one, Coit Tower or the Transamerica Building? I'm going to say Coit Tower. Yeah, I'm going to say Coit Tower because yeah, yeah. I've only been at the base of the Transamerica Building. <laughs> so for those that know, I would say Transamerica and I'll tell you why. Uh, Transamerica, for those that don't know, used to be the tallest building in San Francisco until the Salesforce Tower. But the reason I say Transamerica is because you're smack in the middle of North Beach, Chinatown, and then also Fidei. So I think it's a really huh. cool spot. Uh, I just right. know Barbarossa was around there. Which we'll also be talking about party spots in an upcoming episode. So thank you guys again for listening to the Bad Podcast. This is us signing off. Reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram at 3AD Podcast. We know how precious time is these days, so we want to thank you for spending some of your time with us. As you go on into tomorrow, go on unapologetically, go on as a positive force, and most importantly, go on with your bad self.